You're listening to Season 3 of Mobile Suit Breakdown, a podcast covering the entirety of sci-fi mega-franchise Mobile Suit Gundam. For new fans, old fans, and not yet fans, where we watch, analyze, and review all 41 years of the iconic anime in the order it was made. We research its influences, examine its themes, and discuss how each piece of the Gundam canon fits within the changing context in Japan and the world from 1979 to today. This is episode 3.47, episode 47, again. And we are your hosts. I'm Tom, a lifelong Gundam fan, and yeah, I also thought we were done with season three. And I'm Nina. Already two watch-throughs into Char's counterattack, but apparently we just can't let Double Zeta go. Have you missed us? It's been just over a month since the release of our last episode, and we are here to check in and give you all an update on the status of next season, Double Zeta merch boxes, and our annual pin promotion. Plus, we have a brief discussion of some very interesting information we learned about Double Zeta after the wrap of last season. After we published what we thought was the final episode of MSB Season 3, where we talked in detail about how dissatisfied we were with the writing of the final climactic episode, Gundam superfan and noted expert Mark Simmons got on Twitter and he revealed that he had in his possession a copy of an alternate script for the final episode. We noted when we were talking about this episode on the prior podcast that it was co-written by Endo Akinori, the sort of head writer for Gundam Double Zeta and Zeta, and Tomino himself under a pseudonym. However, a couple of months after the final episode aired, the anime magazine Animedia released as a special pack-in bonus with their March 1987 issue, a copy of a draft script written just by Endo, which Tomino must have revised significantly before it got made into an episode, which would explain Tomino's credit on the script for this final episode. Mark had this bonus script draft in his collection, and he was good enough to post it online, sharing it with us and the world. He also went so far as to translate sections of it that deviate from the final product. And I'm just going to quote here from his translator's note at the beginning of this. We will, of course, include a link to Mark's post about this script in the show notes. Uh, But he says, The plot and physical events are largely identical to the final anime. However, the majority of the dialogue and a couple of key scenes are quite different. And Endo will repeat most of this early draft dialogue verbatim in the novelization of Double Zeta that he wrote. So we can think of this as sort of the writer's cut before Tomino, as the head director, put his stamp on it. This is a rare opportunity to look within the process and to see what influence Tomino himself really had on this one episode of Double Zeta. So we're going to spend this episode talking through the changes and what we think about them and what we think they say about Tomino, his agenda, and these characters. But first... Nina has an update for you on the status of Season 4. I have seen Char's Counterattack. We have an outline for our coverage of the movie and the SD Gundam shorts that were shown with it, and we expect the whole thing will span seven podcast episodes or so. 
We've also started interviewing guests. We have about an interview a week lined up over the next month. And we have our list of research topics. Right now, the plan is to finish most of the season four episodes, if not all of them, before releasing any of it. I listed off a whole bunch of pieces that we have just now, but how exactly they're all going to fit together is still a little up in the air. We don't have a release date pinned down yet, but we will get back to you with another update once we do. The art prints for the Double Zeta merch boxes have also finally arrived. That means that if you are a Matilda tier patron, your season three merch will be on its way to you sometime this month. If you'd like a sneak peek at what is included, keep an eye on our Patreon and social media pages later this week. I'm going to be doing a blog post and some social media posting about the contents of those merch boxes. And finally, the annual pin promotion. Every year, to commemorate the anniversary of our very first episode and to thank the patrons who got us here, we hold a promotion. Every patron pledging $5 or more per month on a certain day receives a limited edition enamel pin. As I mentioned at the end of season three, we have had some issues with the production of the pin this year. COVID has thrown the proverbial wrench in a lot of supply chains and manufacturing processes, including with the company we use for custom pins. We want these pins to be really special, something eligible patrons are excited to receive and that looks great and is high quality. And achieving that is taking longer this year than it has previously. We are eagerly awaiting the mock-up, and if we approve it, the pins will go into production right away. Once we have them, we will set dates for the promo. In this somewhat messy transition from being on vacation to getting back to work, we completely missed an important milestone. September 1st was our third podversary, MSB's birthday, three years since we released our first episode. To all of our listeners, and especially everyone who reviewed us, shared us with their friends, subscribed or made one-time payments, bought us research materials and office supplies, or wrote us encouraging messages, we couldn't have made it this far without you. That's all the updates for now, but we will be back soon with more about Season 4's development. Thank you all, and stay Genki! When I heard there was an alternate script for this last episode, written only by Endo rather than Endo and Tomino, I, perhaps unfairly, perhaps not, assumed that it was going to be much worse than what we got. I assumed that Endo had written something very sexist or bad, and then Tomino had rushed in to like try to fix it at the last minute before the episode came out. And instead, <laughs> after reading it, I found that I quite like most of Endo's version. Not in every instance. There are some places where I like Tomino's better, but there's a lot about Endo's writing that is, at the very least, much clearer than Tomino's. <laughs> and some of the biggest problems that we had with the Tomino version are fixed in the Endo version, not all of them, there are still some serious structural issues at play here, but I have to give the man his due. I think this is the better version of the script. But beyond comparing the qualities of the two, I just like 
being able to sort of try to work backwards from these two different versions of the script to try to figure out what Tomino was thinking or saying or trying to say in different moments. And there's one that we'll get to rather late in the script, I think, where neither of them on their own is very clear, but if you combine the two together, I think you can um, suss out some more meaning from it. So I am excited to talk through this. We're going to talk through it more or less chronologically as things happen in the episode. There are a few different changes to the scene of Judo's confrontation with El and Bicha in the hall as he's leaving to go fight Haman by himself. And it's small, but the bit that I liked the most was that in Endo's version of the script, Bicha is talking about his own feelings, his own sense of power. He's talking about himself. He says things like, if I went with him, meaning Judo, I couldn't do anything to help. At least I can protect everyone on the nail argama. And he also tells El, I don't want you to fight anymore. I don't want you to fight. Versus in the Tomino version, it's about like, all we can ever do for Judo is make sure he has a place to come back to. The Tomino version is very focused on like all of them as supporting Judo and what they do or don't do for Judo versus the Endo version where Bicha is more his own person with his own feelings and motivations. And they talk about needing to keep the Hyakushiki on the Nail Argama so that they can defend the ship and because the battle is still continuing. Now, some of that does survive into the Tomino version, but it feels much more like an artifact. And part of the reason for that is that Endo is going to keep coming back to this throughout the script, and the Argama's position in the battle is going to feel much more precarious. And this was something that I noticed and that bothered me when I was watching the final version, because they do make a point of saying, you can't go with Judo because we need the Hyakushiki to stay here, but then they never follow up on it. And we never have a sense that that paid off at all. But even before that scene in the hallway, in the Endo version, Purutu doesn't refer to Judo as her big brother. There are a couple of spots in the final version where she does that, and all of them were inserted by Tomino. Tomino, very much true to his reputation, also inserted the uh, slapping in that confrontation between Bicha and L. That was not in the Endo script. For whatever reason, having his characters slap each other during tense emotional moments is very important for Tomino. It does seem to be a visual shorthand for him to express the intensity of the emotion that the characters are feeling. You can tell they're feeling this very strongly because they hit somebody. The next change that stood out to me was one of the lines that I had really disliked in the final version of the episode, which is when Haman says, Judo is already under my will, which is trying to uh, explain to Kiara why she has to go fight Judo by herself. In the Endo version, she says, if that boy won't join me, all that's left is to defeat him. Judo Ashta understands that too, which makes so much <laughs> more sense. Yeah, changing that one line does really change the way we perceive Haman in this episode. It makes her seem so much less delusional. And this is echoed much later in the script 
when Haman eventually does confront Judo directly, and she does again say, join me. And that line occurs in both the Endo and final versions. But in the Endo version, Judo responds with, oh, that line again? Come on. There's a self-awareness in the writing of how ridiculous it is for Haman to keep trying to recruit Judo again and again, using the exact same lines, even though it has now become abundantly clear that he has no interest in joining her. Throughout their entire fight, I realized that the core difference between the Endo version and the Tomino version is that in the Tomino version, it feels as though Haman and Judo are still trying to convince each other or still trying to understand each other. It feels a bit like a debate or an attempt at persuasion, which all feels a bit late in the game at that point. Whereas the Endo version feels like a much more straightforward confrontation. They do explain things about their own feelings and their own position because it's a show and it's helpful if they talk during the fight. <laughs> but there's no sense that they're really trying to win the other person over. Judo explicitly says, you are the source of all evil. I am fighting to destroy the source of all evil. Echoing things that Camille and Katz said about Haman back in Zeta. In the Tomino version, fate gets mentioned a little bit, but not as extensively as in the Endo version. The Endo version seems to be trying to sort of contrast the idea of fate and the idea of personal will and personal power more than the Tomino version does. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Endo's version features repeated references to the voice of heaven, the will of heaven, essentially affecting the outcome of their battle, maybe even determining it. Both of the characters talking about how these sort of random happenstances outside of their control actually show that destiny favors them in the fight. And then at one point, Haman counters to Judo that fate and people's lives are the result of our own power. Then when the double Zeta's separated parts come back together, it's not new type ghosts in the Endo version. There is a sense that power has kind of accrued in the Gundam, that over time, more and more hope and will and energy has attached itself to the Gundam. But Judo says explicitly, the power is me. I want to briefly pause and go back because before that recombination scene, when they get out of their cockpits to have a, a little bit of a hand-to-hand -hand duel, in the final version, Haman says, I'm going to finish him with my own hands as she grabs a pistol and leaves the cubelet, which bothered me a lot <laughs> when I watched it. I don't know that I mentioned this, but that is not how I think Haman would behave. It's hard to imagine her giving up the massive advantage of being in a mobile suit in order to try to shoot judo with a pistol just for the satisfaction of doing so. And watching the final version, it really felt like they were both getting out of their cockpits to have a one-on-one -on -one human bodies fight because that's what they did in first Gundam and we just have to recycle those good ideas. 
you know, that's a sign of a very worrying trend starting to develop in Gundam, really from Zeta on, of just kind of mimicking prior Gundam, not for any good reason, but just, you know, as a reference, as an homage, or straight up stealing the old good ideas. Humorously, her leaving the cockpit makes more sense in the Endo version, because in the Endo version, Judo knocks out her cameras. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She, she's stuck in the cockpit of the cubile, but she can't see anything, which is a circumstance in which it would make sense to get out of the cockpit <laughs> of your mobile suit. And then they took that part out, but left the part where she physically <laughs> leaves the mobile suit. Yeah, not sure if accident or intentional. It does feel like the sort of thing that someone splicing the scripts together might have meant to leave in and just forgot. But who knows? Not me. <laughs> Later, with a focus that resembles the way they talked about fate earlier in the fight, they start talking about blood. And this is that segment I mentioned where I think it's only by looking at both of the scripts that you can actually sort of figure out what they're trying to talk about. Because in the end of version, all the discussion of blood is connected to Haman. Judo calls her a miserable person ruled by a blood grudge. Haman talks about blood that flows within her, blood that has been flowing since long before the Zabi family. But then if you switch over to the Tomino version, you get a line from Judo where he says, rid yourself of the blood that gives birth to hate and nurtures it. Which isn't quite the same, but combined with the Endo stuff calls forth this idea of uh, blood as a legacy, as a connection to the past, which, like gravity, traps you within certain limited ideas. And this idea of being trapped by the blood continues in the Tomino version, where after Hamana said, I will rid myself of nothing, Judo tells her to stop thinking only with her head because she's just, she's trapping herself in her own flesh. And Haman then connects that directly to the blood by saying, yes, I am trapped within my own flesh and blood. And I think this is nice because it continues the theme that has been running through the second half or so of Double Zeta of this like blood legacy inherited from the zombies or really even from all of humanity and the desire to free yourself from the shackles imposed on you by that blood legacy, by that bloody grudge. Related to that, the Endo version has a much stronger sense of the fight coming to a draw. Haman has a line that's basically the same in both versions where she says, I'd like to call that a draw, but I'm the loser. And she's coming back, I think, to that idea of her blood and her attachment to her physical body and what she considers power to be and how those are all connected because it's those things that make her unable to live in a world with judo it's those things that mean that if she can't beat judo she has to take her own life in the endo version judo says to her at the end of their back and forth let's go together it's all over but she says, it's all just a beginning. And I think this line from Haman about it not being a draw, it actually being her defeat, is not just about the mobile suit fight that they're having, it's also about the philosophical argument that they're having. 
And it's a funny situation because for judo, a draw with mobile suits or ideas is still a victory. But Haman has to win. And having failed to win decisively, she's lost. There's also something so poignant in one of her endo lines. She says, I took a stand because I couldn't leave the Earth sphere as it was. That sort of reminds us that, for the most part, Judo and the Federation are fighting for the status quo. They don't appear to be fighting to improve anything. Haman's goals are terrible. But her line does complicate <laughs> our view of Judo's position. So I took a stand because I couldn't leave the Earth sphere as it was, but you were standing before me getting in my way. <laughs> And we know from later lines that Judo feels that. He is aware of that contradiction and frustrated by it. One of the things about the Endo version is that Haman's ultimate goal, what she hopes to achieve, is actually much clearer here. Now, I think it probably should have been made clear, you know, a dozen episodes ago. But... In this final confrontation, Haman talks very explicitly about wanting to, quote, save the Earth sphere by uh, eliminating all those who are clinging to the Earth. She is talking about elevating humanity through genocide. The Endo version also does not have the, I'm so glad I returned. I met a strong child like you <laughs> line. Oh, so many of the terrible lines in this episode were Tomino editions. The one where Haman speculates that the nail Argama is responsible for Mosa coming back around. That's a Tomino. The one where Haman is like, oh, I didn't use my funnels because I wanted it to be a fair one-on-one -on -one fight. Also a Tomino edition. I'm very gratified, though, because at the end of this, when... Judo has the confrontation with Bright, which in the final version leads to him uh, punching the captain. There's a line in that from Rue where she says to Judo, no matter what you say, they're never going to understand. And watching that episode, <laughs> we felt like that line had to be coming directly from Tomino's heart. It is uh, so accurate to the sense of depression and cynicism that he has talked about feeling at this time. And so again, I was very gratified to learn that that was in fact a Tomino edition. That line does not appear in the Endo script. The Endo version has Rue saying, it's pointless getting angry like this. Ugh, Rue, tone Which policing. Is somehow even more nihilistic and terrible than just they'll never understand. <laughs> you did skip over one other significant difference, which is that in the Endo version, it's made explicit that Pudutu has died. Yes. In the Endo version, uh, they do somewhat correct my major issue with the episode of not acknowledging what happens to Pudutu, although it, it kind of barely counts. They don't, like, mourn her at all. No, it's just, Pudutu, you did it. You saved Judo. Oh my gosh, wait. Pudutu is dead. That's it. Yeah. It's so perfunctory that I don't think the show would have been improved by including it at all. And I think if you choose to, you can read Tomino's decision to delete that line as a, you know, tacit statement that Pudutu is not dead. 
she just got very tired and decided to have a nap. But not before she could say, Big Brother. I was going to jump back to the scene with uh, Judo and Bright and all the AU commanders, but then I remembered another important Tomino addition that I forgot to mention, which is that when the uh, fleet arrives laggardly at the end of the battle, in the Endo version, Judo calls them the Ayug fleet. In the Tomino version, Judo calls them the Ayug fleet, then he pauses and he says, the Federation fleet. Mm. <laughs> Tomino is conflating those two through Judo, probably because in Tomino's grand narrative of the Universal Century, the Ayug is already being absorbed into the Federation. Then in the scene with uh, Bright and the other Ayug officers, the whole bit where Bright offers uh, his chin to Judo and Judo punches him, that whole thing is a Tomino edition. Which, again, seems to be a way for Tomino to show how high the emotions are at the moment, but also simply to replicate a famous scene from a previous Gundam. And we talked on the episode about how sort of depressing this is, that this is all Judo can do and it's all Bright can offer. But it's also still kind of a fun scene, and I'm glad it's there. So Tomino gets a point for that one. He then immediately loses that point because he deleted what I think is a very important exchange between Judo and Rue, where Judo says, I'm going to Jupiter because I'm not a volunteer soldier. So we had complained extensively about how militarized the Jupiterist 2 ship that's going off to Jupiter seems to be, and how Judo immediately signing up, volunteering to be another kind of soldier in another place immediately after the war just made no sense for his character. Well, we were right about that. In the original intention of the writer, Judo was going to Jupiter to avoid being a soldier, presumably because Everybody in Ayug is being offered a job in the Federation forces, and Judo doesn't want it. The Tomino version takes a more philosophical tack to all of this in Bright's comment about you want to think about Earth from the outside versus the Endo version feels more sort of straightforward and practical. Bright says, I have high hopes, do your best. And Judo says, right, I'll study hard, which makes it sound like like the Merchant Marines, or like an oil rig, or a shipping liner. Like it's sort of a an apprenticeship, <laughs> a work-study program kind of vibe. Very different from the, ah, this young man is full of ennui and fed up with the Earth sphere. <laughs> There's a funny inversion between the two scripts in this last scene that feels... Uh, very purposeful, almost like Tomino is having a laugh at the fact that he changed so much here, because in the Endo version, L says, look after Judo, Rue. In the Tomino version, she says, Judo, take care of Rue. And then Rue immediately says, shouldn't you say that to me? <laughs> that is funny. The Tomino version definitely has more of a sense of jealousy on Elle's part, more of a sense that the love triangle is not completely resolved despite Elle and Beach's progress. <laughs> the Endo version doesn't really have that. Everybody's sort of joshing with each other and joking around, but 
there isn't that same sense of uh, competing over judo that appears in the Tomino version. And this is emotionally, tonally consistent with the way Tomino rewrote that El Bicha judo scene from the beginning of the episode. It's just, it's more tense, the relationship is less fully evolved, whereas the Endo version is just sweeter, nicer. They're more explicitly romantic with each other. Now we're coming up on the very end. I cannot remember if I noted this or not at the time, but it does feel strange that Judo has been able to sense Alina prior to this last episode, and yet doesn't know that she's in that building with him? And in the Endo version of the script, he does. It's not that Lena changes her mind about going to see him. It's that he senses that she's there and starts running around looking for her, which feels like a nice touch. But while that was the last real speaking scene in the Tomino version, the Endo version has a final conversation between Judo and an unseen Camille. Judo says, somebody once said that people can be connected as one, and I believe it. Isn't that right, Camille? Wait, did I just say Camille? The way they wrapped this in the Tomino version of the script for the episode is very nice, and I didn't have an issue with it per se, but this acknowledgement of the connection between Judo and Camille and having it made more explicit in the script has kind of a nice circularity to it when we think about the first time Judo and Camille meet and that connection between them, how it felt like part of what set Judo on this path. Mm -hmm. It felt like one of the main inciting events that set the whole season in motion. And so to acknowledge that connection between them. Well, it's consistent with what Haman says earlier in the episode. And again, this is in the Endo version specifically, when Judo calls her the source of all evil and Haman says, I remember another young new type saying something very like that to me before. Not naming Camille, but talking about Camille. And Mark also notes that in the Double Zeta novelization, these final lines where Judo is talking to Camille and then to Rue uh, play out a little bit differently. In the novelization, Judo says, I was just saying goodbye. To who? To my other self. And if he's referring to Camille as his other self, as I think he is, that speaks to a very deep, psychic, emotional bond between the two young men. Which admittedly was not like a major, frequent recurring idea in the show, but it was there. And it would have been nice, I think, to see more of it, and so I'm glad that it made it in here at the end. I'm suddenly remembering one of the things that I noticed about Tomino's writing in First Gundam that has turned out to be something of a double-edged sword, and it's that Tomino doesn't like to state things explicitly. <laughs> he never wants to have characters just say outright what it is that's happening or what it is they're feeling. And sometimes that subtlety can play really well and create nice complexity and, and very moving scenes. But sometimes I think the ideas he's trying to convey are so complicated that his desire to be obtuse makes it really difficult to know what he's getting at. (laughs) 
So those are the things that seemed the most important to us and some of our thoughts about them. But the Endo script is available if you'd like to look at it, and I recommend watching episode 47 of Double Zeta again with the alternate script in front of you and comparing for yourself. As for us, we will be going back to working on season four. We are so excited to share it with all of you, and I hope you're as excited as we are. So from both of us at MSB, it was nice talking to you again. We'll be back soon. Breakdown is written, recorded, and produced by us, Tom and Nina, in scenic New York City, within the ancestral and unceded land of the Lenape people, and made possible by listeners like you. The opening track is Wasp by Misha Dioxin. The closing music is Long Way Home by Spinning Ratio. You can find links to the sources for our research, the music used in the episode, additional information about the Lenape people, and more in the show notes and on our website. GundamPodcast.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at Gundam Podcast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Gundam Podcast, or by email at GundamPodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening.